bless my heart to see little Mercy down here dancing before the Lord. May it be that everybody is so free to be able to worship like she did this morning. Amen? Amen. Numbers chapter 13, if you're there, uh, when you get there, just shout out a good amen. It'll be on the overhead. We're going to read from the New American Standard Bible. When you're there, I want, it's not going to be a traditional message that you, maybe you've heard on this chapter before. We are in our series, God of the Valleys. How many of you know He's still God of the Valleys? He is still God that protects us. He's still God that watches over us. He is God on, in the, thr- on the throne and in the valleys. Amen? All right. Numbers chapter 13, verse 23 through 33. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol. Everybody say the valley of Eshcol. And from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men. Now stop right there. That's some big grapes. I've never seen grapes like that. As a matter of fact, if they got to carry it on a pole, I might be afraid to eat it. That thing might choke you. That's some bad dudes right there. And with some of the pomegranates and the figs, basically showing the fruit of the place. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. I love it. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. It, it, this is its fruit. It's their evidence. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The giants are there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before God and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. I love the spirit of Caleb. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone it is in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people, how would they know that? All they did was spy it out for 40 days. They don't know it's the land that devours its inhabitants. But see, that's what the enemy does. I'm almost done and you can sit down, but that's what the enemy does. He puts things in your mind that are not even there. And all the people whom he saw, we saw in it are men of great size, giants. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak as part of the Nephilim. Again, the giants. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. The enemy began to see them as they saw themselves. Hold on to your bootstraps. I'm telling you, God's going to speak to you today. You get ready. Poke your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful time to be in here. I thank you for your spirit, your presence, which I feel so strong. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, you'd anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. God, I pray your word go forth in power and fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. 
Lord, I pray you speak to us, God. And I pray a Caleb spirit rise up with every person in here individually and collectively as a church to take and seize what is ours. In Jesus' name we pray that you would just eliminate COVID-19 from the face of the earth. Eradicate this awful virus. Father God, as a nation, and we repent in behalf of the nation for the sins of racism and murder and every other kind of sin. We repent in Jesus' name and we, we ask you to help us be part of the solution. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. And now, God, we are yours. We are the sheep of your pasture. God, I pray you speak to us. Let our ears hear what the Spirit is saying in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have and let's boldly declare, Father... Today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you're, if you're fine with it, high five a couple of people. And if you're not, air high five them. Amen. Woo, I got a word from God for you. The valley of Eshkel can either be a valley of faith or a valley of failure. Now, we're going back to the Old Testament story of the valley of Eshkel, but you better believe we face valleys of Eshkels in our lives as well. And when you're faced with a crisis or a valley experience, we will either walk in fear or failure. And the only way we fail is if we choose not to believe God, and not to walk in faith. The beginning of the chapter in verses 1 and 2 is so key to the whole story. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it'll be on the overhead, says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give. Everybody say give. The Lord said it's theirs. The Lord said I am giving it to you. I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of the father's tribes, every one a leader among them. I have a question. What has the Lord promised you? And what has the Lord in his mind already given you that you haven't, you've failed to receive at this point? They were never, listen very closely. They were never supposed to search the land, hear me, to see what they were capable of doing. Rather to search the land to see what God was giving them. Listen, very big difference. God did not send them into the promised land to see what they were capable of taking on their own. He was sending them to spy out the land to see what it was God had already given them. Do you see the difference here? Are there things that God has promised you that you are looking at and you're saying, I can't do that? I can't, I don't have the ability for that. I'm not capable of doing this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And I believe God is screaming from the heavens today saying, I never asked you what you were talented enough for, or intelligent enough for, or capable enough for, or work hard enough for. All I want you to do is believe me and receive what I'm giving you. Somebody shout amen. I'm excited. I'm about to come unglued because I know where I'm going. Amen. It's not about what you and I are capable of, folks. Poke your neighbor and say, it's not about your capabilities. It's about God giving you your land. 
It's not about how good or how talented or how much we can win Deer Park. It's about the fact that I believe God has given us Deer Park and it's up to us to walk in that. I believe that. I really do. I, I see this full. I see multiple services. I see hundreds and thousands of people coming to Christ. Why couldn't Deer Park be the first totally saved city in America? Glory to God. It's about receiving. It's about understanding what God has already given us. Never one time. In all, I've got kids from 24 to 16. I have never once in 24 years had a kid of mine open the refrigerator and look, open the pantry and look, and then come sheepishly to me and say, you know, Dad, if you, if you just, you know, give me one of those hot dogs, I'll wash the car, I'll cut the grass, I'll clean the house, if you'll please just feed me. Does it, can I see a show of hands? How many of you had kids do that? No, nobody, right? Listen, it, the 24, they still don't do it. Listen, here's my point. You know what my kids do? Pass the biscuit. Bring it on. They open that fridge, something's coming out and going in their mouth. They don't care whether it, 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 it's just, it's free reign, it's theirs, amen? And that, you know, that God wants us to behave that way. There are things in the kingdom of God that he has promised you, folks. And I feel like there's an attack on some people's minds in here. And the devil's beat you down. And he's put you in such a mental state that you feel like, I can't go on anymore. I can't do it anymore. I want to tell you, liar, liar, the devil's lying to you. You can go forward. You will get your, what's yours. You will seize what belongs to you. Your healing, your marriage, your restoration of relationships, your family being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something. It belongs to you. And you will. I said you shall. Now, receive what is yours. Woo! And as a church, we will receive what is ours. All these problems we continue to have, thank God, they're letting us set up. They're letting us leave it up another week so we can continue to work on our problems. Amen. So there'll be no set up next week either. Amen. Everybody's got another week to chill out. We will get, listen, when, when stuff comes from manufacturers dead on arrival and you find all these problems and it takes hours and hours, all the devil's doing and all the other problems I'm not even going to get into, all the devil's doing is saying, I am terrified you're now in this land. The devil fights because he is terrified because God has given us this land. I'm telling you, I believe it. If I give you a gift for Christmas and I just say, hey, I love you, I want to give you something. Nobody, listen, you don't ask me, hey, do, you, do I need to wash your car for this? Do I need to come cut your grass for this? No, you just receive it. It's a gift. Somebody say amen. I have a question. Are you trying to work for something that God has already given you? Do you know how to receive from God? Receiving God, receiving what is yours is not a barter system. God, if you'll save me and my family and you'll heal our bodies and you'll get me out of debt, I'll serve you if it kills me for the rest of my life to pay off all my debts. It doesn't work that way. You can work from now till Jesus comes and you work your bones to the grind and you will never, ever pay off the debt you owe Jesus. You can't work hard enough. To pay the debt of your sin. You can't work hard enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. To go out there and pay God for all he's blessed you with. Amen. He's already won that. You just have to walk in that blessing and live for him. Somebody say amen. 
You can't cleanse yourself. Listen, oh man, I don't know who this is for. Praise God. There's somebody watching or in here, I don't know where it is, and you're thinking, well, if I go to church enough and I do enough good, my good will outweigh my bad, and when I stand before God, he'll say, you tip the scales in your favor, you're good. I want to tell you, you can do all the good you want the rest of your life. You'll never be right with God until you receive the sacrifice of Jesus. It is his blood and only the blood of Jesus that makes you good enough to get into heaven. Somebody say amen. I dare say most of us believe that the only way to get saved is to live for Jesus, is to receive his salvation, right? Is to receive his grace. It's a free pardon. It's a free grace. His precious blood washes our sin away. I think most of us understand that at the beginning. But when God promises you something, it works the same way. You can't say, well, God, I'll come early every Sunday and I'll serve you and I'll do everything I can so I can get so-and-so. It's not the way it works. It's grace. It's a gift. Somebody shout amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Wow, praise you, Jesus. Moses sends out the 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb come back. They said, man, we have seen the land. Let's take it. In verse 17 through 20, Moses tells them what to look for. See what kind of people are there. Are they, are they big? Are they weak? Are they few or many? See what the land looks like. Is it good or bad? See what the, the soil's like. Is it fertile or is it poor? How's the cities? Are they unwalled? Are they fortified? Are there any trees in it? What about the fruit? And he's asking all these questions. And then he says something very encouraging. He says, be of good courage. Poke your neighbor and say, be of good courage. This is what God tells us when he sends us to inhabit our promised land, to be of good courage. Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 through 9 says, be strong and courageous. Did you know you you can't be brave or courageous unless there's fear? God's telling Joshua, I'm sending you into a land you don't know, to do things you don't know about just yet. And you've got to be courageous. But he's telling them, be be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Second time. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law, the Bible, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We follow the word of God, we'll be prosperous and successful. It's right there. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Three times God is saying this. Do not be afraid, nor to be, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We need to be strong and courageous when talking about our marriage and our relationships. Be strong and courageous and take your land. Seize what's yours. Seize the promises of God. I'm not preaching to anybody. 
Be strong and courageous, Bridge of Hope, and take Deer Park for the glory of God. Receive it by faith. Be strong and courageous and believe God for your healing. Believe God for your miracle. Amen. Be strong and courageous and obey God with his tithe and with his offering. I'm calling Bridge of Hope Church and those listening. Be strong and courageous. God is sending us. Verse 21 and 22. It's, fine. it's interesting. They wind up in Hebron. Everybody say Hebron. Where the giants are the children of Anak, the Nephilim. Those are all giants are. They wind up. Where the giants are. You and I need to understand something. And I need you to hear this loud and clear. Are you ready for this? You can expect that the enemy is sitting on the promised land God is about to give you. Let me say that again. You can expect that the enemy is sitting on the land that God has given us. Watch Genesis 15. Are you ready? Verse 18 through 21. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land. Everybody say, I give this land. Was it theirs? Was it theirs? When God said, I give this land, was it theirs? Okay. So who did it belong to? It belonged to Abraham and the children of Israel, right? To your descendants, Israel... And we are considered descendants of Abraham by faith now. To your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And then he lists the land of. He says, I'm giving you the land. And oh, by the way, the enemy's already occupying what I've given you. Listen, God never gives you something that the enemy isn't already occupying. It's up to us to drive the enemy out. He said it's the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Riphites, that's giants, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites, all the ites, ten of them. I want to tell you something you can expect. Listen, just because you show up doesn't mean the enemy takes, tucks, tucks, tuckers his tail and runs off. Just because you show up doesn't mean that there's not going to be a battle. We like to glamorize it and say, oh, we're walking in our land. Woo, it's going to be great. But I want to tell you something. There's an enemy in Deer Park, but in the name of Jesus, God has sent us to Deer Park. He has opened this door. We are now in the city limits, and this land is ours in Jesus. Jesus name and I don't know what land you need it might be healing it might be restoration it might be liberty it might be family being saved but it belongs to you go occupy your land they bring evidence back with them clusters of grapes so massive two men to carry them I, I, I would love to be you know certain Bible stores I wish I could be a fly on the wall and go, wow that's some big grapes Eshkol means cluster. So Eshkols are clusters from the valley of Eshkol. In other words, the first fruits of Canaan are ours today and tomorrow the rest. That's what they're saying. Eshkol means cluster, cluster of grapes. They tell them about the land flowing with milk and honey, but by verse 28 and 29, 10 of the spies say, we can't do it. They forgot verse 2 where God said, I'm sending you to see the land that I am giving you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God said to them, he gave it to them, but they let the enemy intimidate them into unbelief. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do with you individually in your personal life and with us as a church. 
He wants to come across and be so big and bad. And the problem seems so grand that you, you get intimidated into no longer believing what God said. Listen, we have a book of promises called the Bible. And God said. And the devil tries to get you to quit believing. You and I. We must keep believing. What is the enemy using to intimidate you into unbelief? They got their eyes off the promises of God and onto the obstacles they were facing. Caleb rises up. He says, wait a minute. God said, and that's all I need to know, we can take it. By verse 31 and 33, the ten spies say, no, we can't do it. It was unbelief. Look, all they could see was the problem. All they could see were giants. All they could see was how small they were in comparison to the giants. But they forgot how big their God was. And there are so many people in the church today that are paralyzed by unbelief. The enemy is going to move, is not going to move out of your promised land simply because you show up. You're going to have to believe God and fight for it. Everybody say fight for it. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven have been suffering violence, and the violent have been seizing it by force. I want to tell you something. It's high time. If the devil's loose in your house and among your kids, open the door. You can ask my family. I've done it. I've opened the door, and I said, In the name of Jesus, get out of my house. I'm sure the neighbors are probably going, Oh, man, Dallas is at it again. He's, he's off, he fell off the wagon again. I don't care. I'll march my property in the name of Jesus. You ain't coming on this property. You ain't touching my vehicles. You're not touching our church. You ain't touching nothing that belongs to me. I'm telling you there's sometimes that we got to be violent. There are times we can't just do little mamby-pamby little prayers. Well, God, if, if you would, if you know. There are times that we got to square our shoulders back and say in the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, enemy, get out. I said get out in Jesus' name. Because I ain't taking it no more. I'm not putting up with it anymore. I command you to leave. Some of y'all are looking at me like I got horns on today. I'm telling you, it's time we buck up and fight for what is ours. I shared the poster a few weeks ago. I love it that my brother gave me. If you're going to fight, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark. And brother, it's starting to rain. And you fist and get left out. Listen, I'm here to tell somebody. We've got to fight in the spirit realm. You fight when you fast and you pray and you war in the spirit. Listen, it's high time. I'm not talking about praying to the devil all day. I'm just telling you, command him to leave. And you thank God for the victory. And you say, I'm walking and I'm seizing what's mine. 1 Timothy 6.12 says it this way. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. To which you were called when you made good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let me ask you something. What promised land is God trying to give you? Will you fight for what God has already given you? You can't lose. Is the enemy occupying your promised land? I have four quick points. Four quick keys into the how you seize what is yours in the valley of Eshcol. Are you ready? Say point number one. Don't overestimate the enemy. Don't overestimate the enemy, which is what the children of Israel did. 
Lester Summerall testified uh, way back when the witch doctors put a curse on him when he was in Africa. And, and he woke up in the middle of the night. His bed was shaking violently out in the middle of the floor. He looked up and he could see visibly a demon staring at him. And this is what Lester Summerall did. He went, oh, thank God. It's just you. I thought there was a burglar in the house. And he got up to move the bed back. And I'm telling you, if you knew Lester Summerall's ministry, you know he ain't lying. He got up to push the bed back and he said, and he told the, get out of here in Jesus' name. You don't come around here no more. And the demon, he's watching the demon leave. And he goes to push the bed back and he goes, wait a minute. Come back and push my bed back where it goes before you go in Jesus' name. Do you understand that we have the authority to cast out devils? We have the authority to tell spirits to leave. We have the authority and the power in Jesus' name to command the enemy to scatter. Do you do believe that? How many believe that? Man, I, I, I don't know if I'm communicating the way I need to. I feel such an urge and such a strong. I've been praying this week. And I feel just something rise in me that says, rise up and tell the people to fight. Don't take it laying down. We can't lose. Am I communicating to anybody? Overestimation of the enemy destroys faith. It erodes confidence and it warps perspective. They saw themselves as grasshoppers compared to the big enemy. And so the enemy saw them that way. Listen, in the valley of Eshcol, when you're in the valley of Eshcol, listen. Satan will rattle his chains. He'll roar as a roaring lion. He'll beat on trash cans if he thinks he can spook you. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Why do you think in the old days armies would come with banners waving, waving in the air, bagpipes blaring, instruments roaring. Why would they do that? You know, to me, I'm thinking, how about surprise attack? Oh, no, no, they come with pomp and circumstance, and they're blasting, and people are roaring, ah, and there's flags waving. Why would they do that? You know why they would do that? They're trying to intimidate their opponent. They're trying to show them that we're bigger, badder, braver, and we're, we got it all together, and you got no chance. They're trying to overcome and intimidate them to a place that they have no shot. That's what the devil wants to do with you and I. He tries to intimidate us to quit before we ever get to the fight. He tries to make himself look bigger and badder and all that other stuff. One preacher calls it this way, Luciferian gamemanship. And we need to know what Satan's tricks are. If, if he, he, when he stomps around making noise and threats, you've got to keep your perspective. He's not a giant. Listen, he's not a giant and neither is the challenge that you are faced with right now. Hear me. The challenge you are up against is not gigantic. The enemy wants you to think that it is. And you are not a grasshopper. You are a child of the Most High God with a promise in your hand backed by the full authority and power of heaven itself. So go in. And take your land, because you are well able. The second key to victory in the Valley of Eshcol is this. Don't underestimate God. Don't overestimate your enemy, and don't underestimate God. Listen, Martin Luther, the great, uh, nailed the 95 thesis to the door. Listen, one of the most unlikely candidates to do anything from God. Martin Luther was such a screwball mess up that they banished him to Germany to go teach the introduction of Romans. They kicked him out of the church. We don't know what we're going to do with this guy. Kick him out. Go send him to the far ends of the earth. He, he surely can't mess it up there. 
Little did they know as he's teaching the introduction to Romans and Galatians, he started, who would ever guess God would use this mess up guy to teach the whole world that salvation isn't by indulgences you sell from the Catholic Church or by being in with the Pope or by working hard enough, but rather by faith in the grace of Almighty God. God can use the most least likely. Talent and intelligence are not nearly so important as we think they are. I would rather be severely limited and put no limits on God than to be a genius with all the abilities in the world and put trust in myself. The Israelites managed to turn the valley of faith into a valley of failure by underestimating the power of God. Apparently, they had no memory for miracles. The plagues, the parting of the sea, the manna falling from heaven, water coming from a rock, absolutely meant zero when they saw giants in their promised land. All the miracles they saw amounted to nothing when they saw their next problem. And that's the problem we have in the church. We'll get miracles from God year after year. We'll see God do amazing things in our life. And then all of a sudden, it's as if God has done nothing. We see our next new problem and we say, ah, we're all dead. The same God that gave you miracles before, that parted the Red Sea, that took the enemy out, that fed you from heaven, that caused water to come out of a rock in the middle of a desert, is the same God that will defeat the enemy occupying your land. Same thing happened with Elijah. He calls down fire from heaven. Man, we know the miracle. Kills 450 prophets of Baal. He's on the mountaintop. One woman says, by this time tomorrow, you're a dead man. And he just suddenly forgets all God has done. What about you? Have you forgotten the miracles God has done in your life? Have you forgotten the miracles God has done in your family? Don't let the light of yesterday's miracles grow so dim that in today's darkness you underestimate the power of God. I want to tell you something. We need to quit whining and wishing and start believing and receiving. We need to quit whining and wishing and start believing and receiving. Somebody shout. That's a great place to say amen. Point number three. Are you ready? Don't overestimate the past. Look, the term in America, cricket and star, do not go together. Many Americans don't even know what cricket is. They think it's a bug. It is a bug, but there's actually a sport in Europe, in England in particular, that was very popular in the 19th century. And in the 19th century England, cricket was to England what basketball is to America. Imagine the explosive effect. Listen to me. If Michael Jordan in his prime or LeBron James in his prime suddenly announced he was quitting basketball, he has been massively saved, and he's going out to the mission field. Can you imagine the explosive effect that Michael Jordan would have had in America if he would have stopped? We do know he retired at one time to play baseball. But imagine if he said, I'm done with basketball. I'm going to the mission field. Jesus is the way. Not touching a basketball the rest of my life. That's exactly what happened when the great C.T. Studd retired from cricket for missions. He had been a wealthy aristocrat in Victorian England and was blessed with supreme athleticism. C.T. Studd became one of the United Kingdom's premier cricket stars. He was wealthy, handsome, popular, and athletic. 
And in his prime, when he was on top of the world, he not only left it all, he gave away his substantial fortune to missions and went out to become one of the history's most effective missionaries for the glory of Jesus Christ. He said, I don't care about my past. I'm going forward with Jesus. Listen, by clinging, hear me now, church, listen. <laughs> by clinging to the wonderful things of the past, like past victories, we run the risk of missing all that God wants to do in us now. The quail, the manna, even life in Egypt, listen, seems so secure and safe compared to fighting giants in Canaan. One of the tricks of the enemy is, he'll say, well, you had it better in Egypt. No, you were in bondage there. You were dead there. You were in, it was never better in Egypt. And he'll tell you that it's better, it, better to die in the wilderness than have to deal with these giants. And so what happens is, listen to me, church. If you've been in church a while... You can recall the glory days when I got saved and we saw this and we saw that. And watch what happens. The enemy will glamorize what used to be and make it seem like it's better than it really is. I need you to hear what I'm saying. And by comparison, the glory days, the old days will look better than they are. Now, I debated whether to say this, but I feel the Spirit of God telling me to say this to, to, to bring a point to you. I need you to hear me. Listen. <laughs> I've debated this little story. One preacher went to a church, and, and all the people were so wrapped up in the glory days of 25 years ago that they were paralyzed and couldn't move forward. No matter what he tried, it was the glory days, the golden days. We just need to go back to the golden days, preacher, when XYZ was going on in ABC. And the preacher kept trying to move it forward, and they kept going back. That's not happening here, so nobody freak out and think, oh, my God, we're doing that. We're not doing that. I'm just giving an example. And it was always pass, 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 pass. He'd go to a board meeting and say, I feel like the Lord's told me to do this. No, we need to go back the way it used to be 25 years ago. So he did a little research. What I'm about to say is going to shock you. He got his next board meeting. He started in. Here they started. They started again. Oh, we got to go back to the old days, the old days, the old days. We well, had finally had enough. Now, listen, he had prayed and he felt like God led him to do this. And you better know God's told you to do it when you just say what he said. He looked them guys in the eye and he said, okay. He said, you want to go back to the golden days? They said, yes. He said, great. He said, which one of your wives am I going to sleep with tonight? He said, because your golden days, the pastor slept with half the women in the church. So you want to go back to the golden days? Which one of your wives am I sleeping with tonight? Folks, it ain't as golden as we think it is in the past. When we're faced with giants in our promised land, it seems like it was great. But I want to tell you, you faced giants then too. There's nothing worth going back to. The only thing in this life worth going is going forward to receiving and seizing what's ours. Is that all right? Y'all still love me? The good old days have hindered many from hearing God's call in a new promised land. Don't let past blessings become curses today. Listen, God has new. He has fresh. He has better for us. Fear of letting go of the good will keep you from laying hold of the best. Listen, your best is yet to come. It hasn't already been. Let me say that again. Your best is yet to come. Can you pull that up for me, please? It hasn't already been. Your best is yet to come. It hasn't already been. I guess we don't have that slide, okay? Yesterday was great, but I'm looking forward to going forward with God today. I don't care what God did yesterday. I do care. I'm thankful. But I want to know what God has in store tomorrow and today. 
I'm looking for new people to be saved. I'm looking for lives to be transformed. I'm looking for more people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm looking for new people to have marriages put back together and people be liberated from bondages and addictions. I'm looking forward to see God do great and mighty things. The best is yet to come. It hasn't already been. Say it with me. The best is yet to come. It hasn't already been. Yesterday was great, but I'm looking forward to today and tomorrow with God. The last key to victory in the Valley of Eshcol is don't underestimate the future. Apparently our computers froze again. Don't underestimate the future. Poke your neighbor and say, don't underestimate the future. So don't overestimate the enemy. Don't underestimate God. Don't overestimate the past. And the last point, don't underestimate the future. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by the challenges you face on the way to receiving your promises. The Israelites lost track of the real reason for going through the valley of Eshcol. The goal of the struggle, this was going to be on the overhead, something's happening here, but the goal of the struggle in Canaan was never to defeat the giants, rather to receive the inheritance of God. Listen, the goal of walking in the Canaan land was never to go defeat giants, it was to receive the inheritance that God had for them. And in process of receiving, God would help them defeat the enemy. Remind yourself of the reward. Rehearse the promise and keep the vision fresh. One old Florida proverb says this. It's easy to forget your job is to drain the swamp when the gators are nipping at your tail. It's easy to forget God has given us a land when the enemy is fighting tooth and nail. Our eyes should never be on all the problems, how big they seem, or what what is going on. Our eyes should be on what God has already given us. So here's the conclusion. In the same valley, one person finds failure and another finds faith. The determination is on us and where we put our faith and our perspective. The stories of those who failed was death, plague, and defeat. For Caleb and Joshua, the only two to walk in the promised land. I'm going to close with this. Listen closely. I love this. This is is something God showed me this morning early. Watch this. It's interesting to me to note that Israel wandered 40 years in the wilderness. Upon entering the promised land, Caleb said, Joshua, you remember the promise I have? I want what's mine. Forty years he sat walking around the desert because of unbelief. When he finally got in, the first thing he did at 85 years old, you're never too old to seize your land. I felt that. You are never too old to seize your land. Is Tom Thayer here? Where's he at? Tom's right there. Tom, wave at everybody. Wave at everybody, Tom. He can't hear me. Yeah. Help him, Brother Ron. Tell him, wave his hand. There he is. Amen. You know, Tom is 94 years young, almost 95, July 4th. He gave us a praise testimony Wednesday in prayer. He said, I'm out of debt. Hallelujah. You're never too old to seize what's yours. Watch this. When Caleb chose his land, It's interesting to me. 
He chose the land of Hebron. He said, Hebron's mine and I want it. That happened to be where all the giants were. Caleb said, I'm 85 and them giants don't scare me one bit. They're in my land and I'm taking it. Here's the revelation God gave me. Are you ready? The biggest enemy sits in the land with the biggest fruit. Where the giants were was where the fruit was so big they had to carry one cluster of grapes on a pole between two men. The harder the enemy fights, listen to me, man, somebody's going to catch this. It's because he knows it's the greatest valley of fruit. The more gigantic the enemy, the more gigantic the fruit. Why do you think the enemy fights so hard? Because he knows there's spiritual fruit that is gigantic. You're not hearing me. I see lame coming out of this place walking and running. I see blind eyes open. I see people saved by the hundreds. I see the Holy Spirit. I see the heavens open. And I see the Holy Spirit poured out in such a way that the whole place is filled with the Holy Spirit. I I don't see one and two. I see 50, 100, 500 people at one time baptized in the Holy Spirit. I see the fire of God filling this place to the point they call the fire department and say, man, that place is on fire. I'm telling you, I see God doing a miracle. I see marriages restored. I see young people. I can see the whole Deer Park school system on fire for God. Students having prayer time in the middle of the day. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I can see gigantic fruit. I want to, I don't know about you, but I will seize my land. Let's seize our land. Let's seize what is ours. Woo! Come on, somebody shout glory. Come on, stand to your feet all over this house. What about you? Are you claiming Hebron even if there are giants in it? Do you believe God will help you defeat those giants? My last statement, I don't know if the computer's working. It'll be on the overhead if it is. We need to change our nouns of unbelief into verbs of believing. Let me say that again. We need to change our nouns of belief into verbs of believing. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you are ready to seize what's yours? I don't know. How many are believing for something? Maybe you've got a family member not saved. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe, you, got, maybe you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need healing. Maybe your marriage needs to be restored. Maybe you have relationships broken. Maybe your family's going through a terrible struggle right now. I don't know what it is. Raise your hand up if you've got a need. I want you to hold it up. You need, you need, how many of you need a miracle in the Valley of Eshcol? I want you to raise your other hand. If that's you and I want you to receive, I'm going to bless you and we're going to sing. God, I bless each and every person right now. We choose this day to seize what's ours. We will not overestimate the enemy. We will not underestimate you, God. 
We will not overestimate the past. We will not underestimate our future. Father God, even though the enemy may be strong, that's where the greatest and the biggest fruit is. For your glory, God. And I see hundreds and thousands coming to be saved. God, for everyone right now that's believing individually, I bless them, Father God. Let a faith be deposited. Oh, I feel it right now. There it is. There it is. There it is. He's putting a faith in somebody. He's putting the fight back in you. I feel it. I sense it. There it is. There it is. He's putting the fight back in somebody. He's putting faith rising up in somebody. Oh, come on. Just receive from the Lord. Let Him infuse you with fresh faith, with fresh fight. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You walk in victory. You walk in victory. Somebody needs to shout glory. The victory's already yours. You're already more than a conqueror. You can't be defeated. Come on, somebody. I want you to praise God. They've got this special song now because we're going to worship God. I want you for the next few minutes to worship God as if you're already in your land. As if you're already carrying the fruit. The fruit's weighing you down. It's so heavy. Come on, bless the name of the Lord. Sweet Spirit of God. Open the heavens and pour out your spirit now in Jesus' name. Come on, the Spirit of God's about to come on somebody here. And you're going to speak in tongues for the first time in a while. Come on, speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance in Jesus' name. Woo! Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands the night won't last I know the night won't last your word will come to pass your word will come to pass oh my heart my heart will sing your praise Jesus you're still enough Stand. Great is your faithfulness. 
you that um, uh, Dale's going to come forward and he'll dismiss you in rows. If you are new with us today, we would love to connect with you. There's a number they're going to put on the screen. If you would text the word connect to this number, we have a free gift for you in the lobby. Just come to this welcome wall and I would love to meet you and get to know you. So text the word connect. If you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and you've renewed your relationship with Christ today, whether it's for the first time or whether you're coming back to Jesus Christ, would you text the word believe? We want to help you. You need discipleship if you're a new believer. And we want to be able to help you through this process and walk you through this new, journey, this new journey in Christ. So text the word believe to this number on the screen. And we will be getting with you. And we would love to connect with you and help disciple you. Now, with that said, if uh, Dale would come on up. Somebody could help us with the house lights, please. Happy Father's Day to every father that's here today. As soon as we get some lights, we'll be dismissing. want you to please stay connected with us this week through social media, Facebook and Instagram, and stay informed on everything that's going on. How about that? All right. 
We're going to start right over here with this section. You guys can go ahead and go. You can go ahead and be dismissed. We're going to ask you to respect each other's space and do some social distancing on your way out. Isn't it good news we don't have to tear this down again today? How about that? Yes. <laughs> no. How about that? All right, here we go, right here. You guys can go. <laughs> yeah, mercy's ready. <laughs>